what empowers people the most is grace. And when you invest in them, it empowers them. And when you see them succeed at whatever it is, it empowers them. Welcome to Lady BizWiz, where we help you focus, execute, and get results as you take your business from concept to market. Today, we'll be hearing part one of a two-part series on how to empower others in your business. We talk about how ego and competition can sometimes get in the way of this and how it's to our benefit to have a humble, teachable, and gracious attitude as we work with others. Let's tune in now and learn a little bit more about this challenging topic. Well, we are talking about a great topic today, uh, one that has so many implications for um, not just our, our businesses, but our relationships and, and how we conduct ourselves in the world. And the topic we're talking about today is empowering women, empowering other people. And Amy is, I think, particularly, has been particularly strong in this, building a team. We, we've talked about that kind of early in the podcast, how to build a team, both professionally and personally. And, and Amy's been doing a lot of speaking on that lately. Is that right, Amy? I have. I am trying to hone down three speak speeches that I can um, start to market as I kind of market Lady Biz Wiz in a different direction as you know as I do I like to always come up with something new and and that kind of keeps me going so yes I have been talking a lot about teamwork um, professionally and personally and um, you know, have we done that podcast yet on, my, on the, what that talk is I, I I will have to look it up but I'm, I'm pretty sure that we've talked about bits and pieces of what you shared but I mean it's just it's it's so important and and really, it just goes beyond that. I mean, when you talk about empowering, you know, women, but, you know, really empowering people is, it's just, I think, the most powerful thing when you start, in, when you invest in people, I mean, I cannot describe the returns on that investment that I've gotten over the course of years. And don't get me wrong, I've been let down by it too, where I thought I've invested in the right spot and then when I needed to kind of withdraw or, or, or be something back, it's fallen flat. So, you know, I guess when you invest in people, you know, you do invest in imperfect beings as I am. And, and so sometimes it doesn't work out. But, you know, I would say again that when you invest in people first, um, especially as an entrepreneur. So you've obviously got something to sell as an entrepreneur. And we talk about that all the time because that's really the key. But who buys what you have to sell, whether it's product or services, who buys that are people. And when your motivation is only to sell your product or service, I think it comes in flat. But, mm. when, you're, but when your purpose is to invest in people, I think it makes a transition to selling your product and service so much more natural because again when people buy your product or service for the most part on a local level obviously we do not know the CEO of Nike or something like that but on a local level when you buy a product or service from a local business you're usually buying them and so when you have the ability and that connection where they know that that it's really more about the relationship than it is about the sale you know, I think that builds you a longer, a longer lasting client. And then more than that, I know it, it builds you that word of mouth um, because they know you and people do like to talk about people they know. Absolutely. So I came across this little article um, and I'll post it in the notes. Uh, it's called Executive Forum. And they're just talking about the, the basis of the article is that, you know, 
we shouldn't be the smartest person in the room. We, we should be always teachable. And there's some sort of bullet points I thought could help guide our talk today. So the first one was, is a quote. It says, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. What are your thoughts on that idea, Amy? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I'm a pretty smart cookie, I think. I mean, I, I think I'm pretty smart. But truly, if I ever stop learning I just feel like I'm starting to die. So I am somebody who loves to learn. And it, which is the irony of my life is when school was around and I had to do this in school, I hated it. So I, cause I wasn't real successful um, in that forum. I've become much more successful as, a, as an adult. But if I'm not learning something from somebody, then really what's the point? And I can't learn if I already know everything that I'm talking about. So yeah, I, I don't want to be in a room that I have all the answers for two reasons. The first reason is as an entrepreneur and a business owner, my crew requires me to have a lot of answers. And so that's kind of exhausting and a little taxing on me. So if I can be in a room where somebody else has answers and I can kind of pull off of their wealth of knowledge, then honestly, it puts me in a more relaxed position because there's, the pressure's not on me to to razzle-dazzle. I guess the pressure's kind of on them to razzle-dazzle. So I love changing and shifting that um, structure in my life pretty often because, again, as a business owner, I do I am charged a lot to have answers, but I also like the balance of being in a room with people who are smarter than me who I can gain answers from too. What about this idea we talked about a little bit before um, we, we went on air today that women can be very competitive and how do we set that aside and allow someone to shine in their strengths without it being a threat to us? So women can be competitive. And I mean, I guess you can use a bunch of words for women. Um, and I just, it's interesting to me because I just... I think you have to get to a place as a woman that your ego can kind of lower for the sake of somebody else's ego being elevated. And so with women especially, when I empower or, you know, basically take a step back and let another woman in my organization or another woman that I really am cheering for personally shine, um, what that does is, A, it elevates them. And, you know, really, who doesn't want to know winners? I mean, at the end of the day, who doesn't want to know people that are winning? Well, if I am... Well, if you're severely insecure, you probably don't. I'm just saying, I think it points out our insecurities when we can't celebrate the wins of others. Then I think you need, I think you need to work on that. Because I, I think that, I think insecurities are part of it. I have insecurities. Um that that affect me I haven't you know that I'm insecure about certain things I can get triggered by certain things um but what I have to do is is when those happen as I really do have to evaluate the bigger picture and the bigger picture is that somebody else winning does not mean that I lose and the other thing we talk about is you know even with somebody having a different point of view a lot of times, especially in this society right now, we spend a lot of time trying to be right. And to be right, we have to prove somebody else wrong. That's kind of how our ego has to go. But, but in anything, I mean, I can, I can be right in my perspective and somebody else can be right in their perspective. And when it comes to building a team, I don't, or, or just relationships, I don't need to be right and them be wrong. I want to empower them as long as they've come up with a decent thought and, you know, for why they have the thoughts that they have, 
It really doesn't affect me in a way that makes me feel diminished. But would you say in general, like in the business world, there is a lot of cutthroat behavior and people feeling like if you come up, then that means that I'm coming down. There is, but I would say shifted. I mean, I, I think we take control over the the speak we tell ourselves. And, you know, you can go through and say, this is just the way it is. Or you can be part of the part of what makes a change in that shift. I mean, because a shift does have to happen if we want the end result to happen. I mean, if you're in sales and you're not closing your sales, then, you know, not everybody you're pitching to is wrong. You're going to have to change the shift in how you pitch. And so at the end of the day, I'm not building the the people that empower me and the people that want to walk beside me because my ego is getting in the way. I have to make a shift. Um, we can't continue to tell ourselves, you know, untruths because it makes us feel better. Right. Um, we need to be honest with with the fact that it is okay. And it, it's, it's better than okay. It's necessary for you to grow as a business owner and as a person to, to understand that, you know, and sometimes for me, sometimes it even drives me harder. I mean, I'm not going to be, comp- I'm not competitive in the sake that somebody, you know, going past me makes me mad, but sometimes somebody going past me makes me want to dig into what I'm doing and it actually propels me to push myself a little bit further. Sometimes as business owners, you know, we, we get to a point that we're pushing, 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 and then we kind of start to coast. And because the business is either generating its own stuff, we're not really having to be super proactive in what we're doing. We've got residual income coming in, passive income coming in, things like that. And so we really can kind of take our foot off the gas a little bit and go, well, okay, we're just going to let this. But sometimes when that person comes speeding by me, you're like, whoa, hold on. And I, and again, it's nothing to do with what they're doing in their car, but I, it sometimes, it a lot of times motivates me to put my feet, foot on the gas and go, you know what? We've coasted long enough and I can be in competition with myself and am, and I am in competition with myself a lot. Um, but not not in competition with somebody that I don't ever find somebody's success, um, something that's harming me. So how do you balance that? Like, um, I'm reading this next little thing. It says, perhaps the only thing worse than being the smartest person in the room is believing you're the smartest person in the room. And I've heard you talk before about how, you know, your team and your businesses look up to you and, and they need to know that you've kind of got it together. They, they don't need to see you falling apart. They need to know that you have that confidence that you're running the ship and everything's going to be okay. How do you balance that without putting out the air like that? I'm smarter than you. Well, because they get to see me fail too. I mean, I'm pretty transparent. I mean, I, I mess up. I make mistakes. I mean, they, my team sees it. I mean, cause I'm not infallible. And so really I think what keeps that balance is I keep it pretty real. Um, I just, I was supposed to write something down and get it to somebody and I didn't write it down and it didn't happen. And, you know, then we find ourselves behind and then I take responsibility for that. So I think what allows that balance to happen within my team is that I'm really okay with the fact that I also make mistakes, which again, I think takes me from being the smartest person in the room. It, it, it makes me a human. And so what it allows is, is, is when the people that I, that I care about or the people that I entrust to, to do what I need done when they make mistakes, obviously there's a tremendous amount of grace. And then when I make mistakes, you know, I can withdraw that same grace back and say, you know what, we all make mistakes. I mean, including me and that transparency that I do need to have it rather together, you know, 
as an owner, but the fact that I'm still, you know, allowed to be human and make mistakes. Allowed to be. I mean, a great example last week is I was picking my son up from school and he works at Chick-fil-A. And I think in walking out the door that morning, um, I did not grab his uniforms that sit on the four-year table for me to grab in the car. And then he changes us on the way to Chick-fil-A. And I got in the car and I went to turn back around in the back seat to hand him his clothes. And I had not grabbed them that morning, mm. which means we had to drive all the way back home. Now we have about an hour to get him to work, but we had to drive all the way back home, which was 20 minutes, and then turn around and drive back to Chick-fil-A, which was going to be another 20 minutes. And What was your self-talk in those moments, Amy? Well, first of all, I was really kind of agitated with myself. But my son, who's 16, was so quick to go, it's okay, mom, we have an extra, we have an hour, we're going to make it on time, no big deal. That was his first, and then he says, he, and I said, well, I am so sorry. He goes, you hardly ever make mistakes. It's not a big deal. We'll get it taken care of. And it was his first instinct. My first instinct was like, it! I mean, I should have, but I think I was on the phone or getting ready to get on the phone. Who knows where my head was whirling. Um, but I'd never forgotten his uniform before, and that's what he said. His first thing was like, you've never forgotten. So it's okay. And we still made it to work 10 minutes before his shift time. But his first instinct, and so I stopped in that minute of, of that negative dialogue in my head. I stopped. My son stopped me really in my tracks. And I looked at him and I said, you know, son, I said, for 16 years old, I said, you are so wise. Mm. He's way wiser than me in a lot of ways because I'm much more quick. He gets this from his father. I'm much more quick to, to jump on it, even if it's me jumping on me. Um, but, but he was, for his first instinct was grace. His first instinct was it was going to be okay. And I told him, I said, you know, if you have that character in you as your first instinct, and he's not by, by no means like a pushover kid. I said, but if your first instinct is kindness and grace, I said, how far you will go in this world? Because that's intrinsically who you are. And then the intelligence and the other pieces will pile on top of that. And I said, it'll make, and I, and I did, I just was in awe of my son uh, on the fact that that was his first gut response. Not that I had failed or not that I had screwed something up, but that it was going to be okay. And that I rarely make a mistake, but hey, we all do. And that was, I, I, it was just, it was really something that caught me really off guard that my son just really kind of has, you know, already at such a young age. I'm just thinking I, I made a mistake on Sunday. I missed a meeting and there was a lot going on. We were in the middle of a house deal. We had all the kids over and never had this meeting before in the afternoon. And I was thinking how, you know, I don't, and maybe some of you listening can relate to this. Like if I forget clothes or I do something like that, I might like beat myself up a little bit, but some, for some reason, like if I, if I feel like I've let someone down that was counting on me, that's a lot harder for me to, pro I tend to go more into like the negative self-talk there. Is that, is that something for you? Or do you think that's just, you know what I'm saying? Like it, oh, I do. And that, I mean, and I guess in that case, you could have said, well, I let my son down. I didn't bring his clothes. But if you feel like you've really let someone down, like they were counting on you and you didn't. Well, I had that example recently. Um, a lady I had met and um, she had reached out to me on something with a business idea. And when I say the, the playing field's not really even in this, in this particular situation. I mean, this person would see the playing field's just not even. I'm, I'm probably a high, I'm probably higher on at least from the outside looking in. I would be kind of of a higher, on the hierarchy level. And, and, and this lovely person and I had met and we had talked about some business ideas that she was wanting to do. And 
About a week went by and she reached out to me via text. And I didn't, when I, when she first texted me, I had not saved her phone number. So really it popped across my text. as just a phone number, not as a name. And probably first mistake there. Second mistake is I was probably in the middle of about 10 things, I think, when she texted. And you always are. <laughs> and I think I said in my head, oh, I'll wrap back around and I'll get that later. I was either driving, I was, who knows what I was doing. But usually I'm pretty quick to respond to text messages. But I did not respond immediately to this text message because of whatever was going on. And then I guess a week or so goes by and I realize I have not responded to this text message. She's not texted again, and I have not responded. But because of the, une- the kind of the unevenness of this relationship, the person that I was talking to would probably would not retext me because she would perceive that she'd be bothering me, and possibly I didn't want to be bothered by her. It's how I really interpreted the silence that she was probably interpreting my silence, which wasn't at all the what I was meaning to convey. But but when I went back to look because I do get so many text messages in a day and think about what happens in a week, I could not locate her text message. And so then a month goes by and she's not reached back out to me. And I'm, and I do, she keeps popping into my head because I'm like, I should. It's kind of nagging at you. It's nagging at me, but I don't know how to reach her. And and again, she's not reaching out to me. And I know because of how this unevenness is, that she's thinking that she's, that I'm blowing her off. And that's not my heart, but that I, I'm sure is how it's, because otherwise somebody else, a friend of mine or something like this, if I hadn't texted back with text, hey, what's going on? But this is not what this relate, this relationship's new. Right. And, you know, we were, you know, it was, you know, you and I were having lunch and um, you, at, and I kind of shared that frustration and you're like, was there anything in the text that you could search by? And there was, that would be kind of unique. And there was a uniqueness under that text. And I typed in that word. And she popped right up on the first thing, and I found her. And I texted her immediately, and that I was so sorry that I had not responded. You know, it wasn't my intention. But her text back to me was, and I want to know why she hadn't texted, but I already knew the answer, why she hadn't texted again, because she just felt like she was bothering me, and she didn't want to bother me. She knows how busy I am, and she didn't want to bother me. But you reconnected. Oh, yeah, we reconnected. We've met We've a couple different times, talked the other night. But I felt so bad on myself. I mean, I felt, I felt like I had let somebody down. I felt, but she, again, extended grace mm-hmm. in, a, in a place that I was really more upset with myself because of just wanting to build this relationship with her. But her seeing herself, she's seeing me of a tremendous, way more value than I probably have and seeing herself as less, less value, which I disagree with. But I mean, I, I understand the disparity, the, yeah. the, the way it is. And, you know, really how upset I was and then upset I was to have let her down. And so when we did end up meeting, you know, I gave her the most heartfelt apology I could come up with face to face. I mean, I felt like she deserved an apology for, you know, again, not purposely, you know, ignoring, but in the, in the scheme of things. And if that made her feel bad, I mean, I felt like she required, I mean, was owed, not required, but was owed me to be transparent in the fact that I had, that I had let her down. And honestly, again, just extreme grace Mm -hmm. was given to me. Um, not, 
anger and not disappointment, just like grace. And so I think if we spend time, you know, I think what empowers people, if we turn circle all the way back around, what empowers people the most is grace. And when you invest in them, it empowers them. And when you see them succeed at whatever it is, it empowers them. Thank you for joining us today on Lady BizWiz. As always, we value your feedback. Please reach out to us if you have any questions or any ideas for future podcasts. Questions at ladybizwiz.com is where you can find us. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.